to speak about the five graces of agenda. The five graces of agenda. Jesus has a grace on him, but it manifests in five ways. One time it can manifest as a tender, loving, caring parent. Another time it manifests as a conquering, brutal, no-nonsense king. Another time it manifests as this brilliant, all-knowing man who knows the present, the past, and the future. Another time the grace will manifest as, an, as a brilliant, wonderful constructor. All these five graces are available for you. They are available for me. And I want to talk about them briefly. Are we ready? So a general or a man or a woman who will stand in the spiritual realm carrying authority to divide locations and to divide, you know, uh, territories must carry these five graces in his life. This is going to bless you. I wish everybody was here. The Bible talks about the fivefold ministry, but the whole fivefold ministry thing has become so religious till we have reduced it to an individual carrying the fivefold title. The fivefold ministry is not meant to be a title, it is meant to be a grace. There is a grace that is pastoral. Once it touches you, all the nutritional, you know, deficiencies that those who are not pastored will not be found near you. There is a prophetic grace. Once it comes on you, every prophetic blessing you are meant to carry, you just find you are carrying. There is an evangelistic grace. Once it comes on you or on your family or on your descendants, everything that those who do not carry that grace, you will not even be aware of the grace. There is an apostolic grace. Once you touch it, everything that is apostolic or all the apostolic blessings begins to manifest on you. I want to begin with what is so dear to the heart of the Lord, especially for this and maybe if I touch on it, and that is all we touch on for the evening, excuse me, I would not have contradicted the will of God. I would have obeyed the will of God. I want to touch on a very, very dear grace that has been so much taken for granted till it is no longer functioning like it, it, it ought to function. I want to talk about the pastoral grace. Because to understand the pastoral grace and to tap this pastoral grace and to walk in pastoral grace, I tell you the truth. This very society we know of will not be the same again. In the spiritual realm, every fivefold minister carries a certain badge or a certain image. An apostle carries the image of a lion. One time I thought on that. You know, a prophet carries the image of an eagle. One time I taught on that. The evangelist, because he does so much work, traveling so widely, he carries the image of an ox. And a pastor carries the image of a man. A pastor is the human as human can get in the fivefold ministry. A pastor carries the image of a man. Man is a symbol in the spiritual realm 
of grace. No wonder before Jesus could become man, we did not know grace. The moment he took the, 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 the body of a man and he took a family and he confirmed himself as a man, grace, according to now John chapter 1, will now begin to flow through him. Anytime you see a man in the spiritual realm, anytime you see the face of God in the spiritual realm manifesting to you as a man, it means grace is now flowing. It means grace is now manifesting. A pastor carries a grace. But I want to break it down so that you can understand. Are we ready? Yeah. In the spiritual realm, yes, a pastor is a man, but he's a man with some tools in his hands. And I want to show you some of these tools. Let me see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carry. Carry. You have those two things on the top of the stick and then the upper. The stick you carry in your hand, upper you tend to have. My elbow, you know, try to put it on. Are you wearing my children? Long wash, try to put it Each of them had a flock to take care of. One man was rich, 
the other one was poor. This poor man was very, very careful how he fed this one sheep. The Bible says, as, as Nathan is now telling David, this, 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 this poor guy, he will make sure the sheep eats with him from the same, from the same board, drinks from the same cup, sleeps with him in the same bed, because he did not want to miss anything. We are going to pray for the chefs that they will be careful with the cup. They will be careful with the bowl. They will be careful with the cutlery. They will be careful even after the children of the king are fed where they sleep. Because they will have to answer. When David could not answer that question, the next thing he was told, a sword has already risen up. It is going to stay on your arms. You are not careful as a chef to feed the children. You took one of them called Bathsheba, you slaughtered the husband, and you messed up the king's children. You, David, you are under curse. There is a curse on our pastors. I'm not saying our pastors here, okay? There is a curse on those with the pastoral grace, those with the pastoral calling. There is a curse on them because few of them are careful to feed the children well. Few of them are careful where the children drink and where the children eat and where the children sleep. Yet these children belong to a king. My God. One time I went with a, a certain New Yorker to a high-level restaurant with the Stanley Hotel here in town. And we entered, he told me, young man, will you suggest to me where we can eat very, very unbelievable food? I told him, get me. Follow me. So we went to this place called Tai Chi, where they make, uh, you know, Vietnamese kind of rice and, 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 and chicken. Oh, sorry if you're fasting. And, and then I took him there, we sat down, and then to show off that we also have something in Nairobi, I told the, I told the manager, can I see the chef? So the chef came. I asked the chef, do you do this every day? He told me no. They usually fly in straight, from Taiwan just to make this, then I go back. Every week, I come here once, I go back, they fly me again next week on Thursdays, I make the special, then I fly back. Look at how much a chef can take his work seriously. To be flying to another country just to do what he's good at. We are going to pray for our chefs. That if they are to fly to another country, or they have to fly another expert from another country. Let the expert be flown. So why are the children of the king sick? You know the answer. The food is not good. The food is not competent. The food is not complete. And some are sick mentally, others are sick emotionally. Others are sick physically, but mostly, most of them are sick because the chefs are not going out of their way. Jesus told now in the, the book of uh, Luke, chapter 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan. He said, You have to take care of this guy. If you have to go at your expense, go at your expense. I will come and pay. Because once the king commits, he commits. Once the king is so he is sold. 
pray for this. Because, not just because you're the child of a king and you need to be fed, but because you need the same heart to enter into you. You need the same mind to enter into you. So that when you are parenting, you are parenting with passion and with revelation and with the power and with the grace that is upon you. It is true there are men who will hold this microphone and be called pastors. But when you go home to your children, when you go home to your co-workers, when you go home to your neighborhood, you are expected by the king to look out for his children. Some of whom are lost. Some of whom are drinking and falling on the streets. It is your job to say, Lord, release some food for them so that they are not starving. repeat to you, the king has children. He wants them fed. And now we should have time to go into the cabinet of David and the cabinet of Solomon to see specific men whose task was this. Handle the king's children. Handle the king's household. There was another guy who was given the duty. Make sure there is always more than enough food for the king's household. Why? You can't be a king when your own children, not even your subjects, your own children are starving. What is the need for gold when it cannot feed your children? We are going to pray for the pastoral office. We are going to pray that Lord send food for the sake of the king's children. Some of them are not very intelligent, others are not very smart, others are not very gifted, but for the sake of the children, who mean everything to the king, may there be food for them. Amen. <clears throat> Allow me to skip that and go to this other. And I will quote First Corinthians chapter 4, where Paul says, You have 10,000 instructors, but one father. There's a big difference between an instructor and a teacher. Like right now I'm teaching, right? Mm. I'm teaching. But if I want you to exercise what I'm teaching you now, I'll become an instructor. I can tell you prayer works. If you pray like this, it will work. Amen? Amen. Now next time I tell you, now stand up. Let us do what that I will say prayer works. Let us do what I was telling you to do. Then I become an instructor. But this is what I want you to pray for. My mouth will be able to these things are going to change your lives. This is what I want you to pray for. There are days we are instructors in our schools, but these instructors were not for TSC. They were from the altar. They were not from the Teacher Service Commission. They were from the altars. Those were the days headmasters were headmasters. Those were the days Teachers who are called to be teachers were teachers. Those were the days men did not rush to start churches. They rushed to start schools. Ask Orenko, Mutula Kinoto, who is now led, Charles Nyachai, uh, Professor Adam Nomo, Philip Ochiel, the editor in, uh, the, the, the writer in Nation Media. Ask them what is their greatest memory in life. They will mention a man with two names called Carrie Francis. Carrie Francis was the principal of Alliance High School. 
when Alliance High School was Alliance High School. But wait a minute, Kare was not just a teacher, he was a pastor. The Lord has teachers in the fivefold ministry. But the key job of a pastor is to instruct. If possible, he has to report to a physical school and become a headmaster or become a class teacher or become a physics teacher. But he has to go, take a physical stick and begin instructing those young souls. Now let me finish my story. There was a plan by the colonial government to restructure this nation ideologically. And the part of the plan was, let Anglicans send their best. And Anglicans send their best to Alliance and to Masena. Let Catholics also send their best. They send their best to Mambu and all these other Catholic schools. Now, listen to me. So, so influential were these missionaries, whom I call pastors. Till if you went to Mambu and you did not become a Catholic, it was strange. Kare, a son of a preacher of an Anglican church, okay, a man who had traveled with other Antonia preacher called Canon Awode, his son went to Mambu. When he came back to date, Awode is not an Anglican because his father was an Anglican priest. Awode is a Catholic. Those were the days instructors did not rush to church to start churches. They rushed to be in schools, converting disciples who will never depart from the faith. Oh, that also was in Mambu. Is he born again? He's a Catholic. Because in Mambu, they were not just teaching physics and economics and mathematics, they were converting men to Catholic faith. The other day, I had a number said, You want to be a what? You want to be a preacher in the Anglican church. But had he gone to Mambu, he, had, he could have wanted to be a father. Or he will do everything, but when it is time to be an Anglican, he will swear and say, I'm an Anglican. Confirmed. And he will pronounce all those Anglican things. Why? There was an instructor who went and he did his job. We are going to pray. And part of the revival of the, of the, of the end-time move of God, pastors will go back to schools and they will take charge of young souls and they will instruct them. They will beat them like I used to. I taught for two years. My gosh, you should beat my students. And I tell you the truth, it is possible to send instructors where they are really needed. And you are going to begin it by praying. And like me, some of you may feel the vision one of these days in the future. Maybe to start your own institution. Maybe to start your own writing or whatever you want to do to instruct those minds. Nobody went through Maseno and will stand by as the Anglican church is being abused. No, they must say no training in them will rise up. A 
Paul says you have 10,000 instructors. Why did Paul use 10,000 instructors? Because we need so many instructors in so many instruction institutions. Are you hearing me? We need so many of them. Call for 10,000 anointing of instructors to follow this nation. Because we need them. It is not time, I repeat, for TSC to be sending us teachers. It is time for the church to be sending us teachers. And then the masters. And whichever instruction they are going to give in primary schools or in high schools or in colleges, let it be anointed. Because I tell you, I've been a teacher. You never instruct a young soul with authority and they go departing from it. Something in them will always remember the instruction. They say in English, practice is the best what? Teacher. So we tell them, wake up in the morning, do this and do that. And one time, one time I was coaching a, a young boy from Jiris, I think in 2006. Was in form four, so I was coaching in physics, maths, biology, chemistry. I was coaching, and he, he, he had issues with God and with the faith and everything. But one thing he could not shake off was the mandatory prayer that they had to do every morning. He could do everything of rebellion, but remember, I have to wake up and pray in the morning. Why? There is an instructor who has straightened his back. And made him tore a certain line. This thing of training up a child, training is different from teaching. Most of you are busy teaching. Training up a child the way he should go. When he's old, he will try to depart. He will not. So I'm going to pray for the grace of a pastor in our institutions. How many of you, with a show of hands, there is this soft spot you have for this particular teacher who either taught you something or did to you something. Lift your hand for a second. Oh, thank you. I think the other one are a little bit tired. Nothing can replace an anointed teacher, especially when he is functioning pastorally. When he's doing the job of a pastor, the job of an instructor, the job of raising the mind, shaping the mind of a king's child, nothing. I love it when the Pope came to Kenya a few years back. And who gave a speech, gave a speech, gave a speech that he took his, he remembered his days of St. Mary's. He said, by the way, I'm a product of Catholic school. He could have spoken so many things, but that one, he spoke with so much passion because an instruction enters deeper than you can ever know. Number one, what are we praying for? The cook or the chef? Number two, what are we praying for? The instructor. We have to send these cooks to our magazines solve relationship issues. We have to send them to our media to shape the content. Can I tell you one of the dreams I have and I cover myself by the blood of Jesus? One of the dreams I have is to produce documentaries and movies in honor. And I'm going to do it. 
the books I'm doing now are to convert them now to all new material. What am I doing? I am cooking for the king's children. Digital food that can enter their minds and shape their souls. So what are we going to pray? That the cook will be dynamic, the chef will be dynamic. The time for religiosity is over. Saying the grace, you know, wishing people well, hugging them and preaching nice sermons. Oh, this generation will need more than that. You have to send pastors to all you. You have to send pastors to our institutions. It is so close to my heart because I have been a teacher. My God, it is so close to my heart. We have to send pastors there. So pray that the media will open for the shelf. Pray that the schools also will open for the shelf. Pray that, you know, the, 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 the industries that we have around will open for the shelf. Oh, Jesus. One man of God was begging Americans, please. If you know you have the call of God on your life to love on people, why don't you apply to go and be a correctional officer in the prisons? A lot of people in prisons, especially in the United States, are broken. They are men and women who have not found the chance to have parents. And he said, if you feel that is too much, why don't you apply to adopt at least one child who has been abandoned? All this man was trying to say was this. We have a pastoral mandate to show the grace of the Lord Jesus. My sisters, this week, let us tear up every industry and send pastors to every industry. There is no industry that does not need shelves. There is no industry that does not need instructors. Read with me Galatians chapter 4 from verse 1. Faithful scripture, but I have to put it very clearly to you. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 says something. The Bible says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. Verse 2, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Many are not coming to destiny, not because they are not saved. Many are not coming to destiny, not because they do not love God. Many are not coming to destiny because they lack tutors to bring them to speed so that they can become heirs. Many of these children walking around in our schools will never be great, not because God did not want to make them great, but because they did not have tutors to coach them how to be great, to tell them this is what you do to be great, to tell them if you do this, you will lose greatness. If you do this, you will gain greatness. It is time to go and tell the king, king, your treasures will not go to servants. Your treasures will go to your children. I hope now you are understanding the pain of Abraham when he discovered he has a servant, but he has no son. He has a servant, but he has no son. So he was fearing that as a king, as a man with so much wealth, all I have accumulated will go to a stranger because I have no son. Not child, I have no son. God has so many things, but they are being wasted by others because nobody called by his name has been tutored 
to maturity so that they can take off. That's why I say, I doubt if I finish the fight for them. Just by touching on these two things of the of the past, I doubt if we'll finish the fight for tonight. We are going to pray for the pastors. Stop the religious, uh, you know, limitation of thinking. A pastor is the only, the only the guy who, like Pastor Kiman who who runs a church like this. No, a pastor, I repeat, is a chef. A pastor, I repeat, is an instructor. There is grace God can pour on this nation for us to find teachers after God's own heart. For us to find the media personalities, scriptwriters, and directors after God's own heart. For us to find politicians after God's own heart. I like what one of the politicians politicians said. He said, a politician is like a is like a is like a pastor. He has a constituency of people with different issues. He needs to look for solutions for them. That was Lina Chebiki Lina. Some of you remember? A godly woman of God. We need to send them to Parliament. Imagine, my sister Agadusa and Jones, imagine if some of our chiefs were pastors. These people come with their drama. And he said, the Bible says, sit down. Imagine if some of our judges, especially in the family courts, were pastors. They come fighting, ready to divorce. And the man takes the oil, anoints their head. And they try to fight, they can no longer fight. Because a pastor has released grace, has released the anointing. Imagine. Oh, do we need to pray, people? Yes. Do we need to pray? Yes. Imagine if some of our traffic policemen will not be just arresting our youth and throwing them to, to you know, to, to, to the remand prison because they are drunk, but will lovingly begin to tell them God has a plan for you and begin to bring out the best in them. Rather than just arresting them for the government, they will be coaching them for the key. Hallelujah. Oh. Need to go and pray. The pastoral grace will penetrate every sphere of our society. One of the men I love in this current regime is Matiani. He has found men red-handed in a mess. And he began to talk to them. Now imagine, what are we doing to our children? What are we doing to our children? Look, we are all Kenyans. We are all, we want, we want the best for these children. But is this the way we are going to do it? I remember one time we went to Kitui High School and he found that the biology teacher is not there, the Swahili teacher is not there, the English teacher has not even come to class. Later on, he met the headmaster and he asked the headmaster, You are not even aware that these people are not there. What are we doing to our children? What was going on with the man? This man is a pastor, but he does not know that. Suppose we have 20 of that in our cabinet. Suppose we had 20 of that on our roads. Suppose we had men who know that these are children greater than them because they belong to a greater destiny. They belong to another generation that they may not live to see. If today the Lord was to tell me, Joshua, you are fired, you are no longer a preacher, choose the profession you'll be and rush to be a teacher. Not for the money. Not for the prestige, 
But for the honor of shaping these souls, for the honor of calling goodness out of badness, for the honor of calling greatness out of mediocrity, for the honor of calling glory out of brokenness. Oh God. You have so many nurses cursing the patients. One time I remember in Mombasa, a nurse was about work. She had done night shift. Now the, the colleague has not come. Now she's also doing day shift and she's exhausted. So she went telling every sick person, why don't you die so that we don't, you don't have work? You know, the only way to get rid of the grass is for him to die. So the nurse went spreading death on every patient. Suppose we are nursing these people. I want us to pray. If you're going to pray with fasting, after praying, we will ask the Lord, identify that opportunity for me. Identify the opportunity for my children. Identify this opportunity for my seed. That wherever Lord you want to plant them, they will carry a pastoral grace. I'm here to touch on the prophetic. I don't know if you have time. I'm here to touch on the apostolic, which is wonderful. I'm here to touch on the evangelistic. I just want to touch on the pastoral for the Send them. Some of you, you have relatives whom you see can go and their solution to a certain area, can go and their solution to a certain department, can go and their solution to a certain a certain regime. You need to encourage them to do it. You need to encourage them to do it. Now remember, there is the religious pastor, okay? Then there is the practical pastor. I am talking both about the religious and the practical, but my emphasis mostly is on the practical pastor. There is what you call, or is no, what you call vertical ministry, and there is what you call horizontal ministry. Vertical ministry touches on the pulpit, while horizontal touches on industries. Are you hearing me? We have vertical apostles like myself, then we have horizontal apostles. Men who go to the industries to do it. Men who go to the industries to cause change. All these are men of God. And who knows some of you, what has been delaying your promotion, what has been delaying your next level, is for you to understand that where I am, there is a grace I need to manifest. There is a grace I need to release. There is a grace that only me are being counted on heaven to release. Who knows after this, now the Lord can trust you with that change, with that opening. I love how Boaz enters his field, which was a type of his, his local congregation. The Bible says Boaz was a man mighty in wealth in the book of Ruth. And when he entered, he said, the Lord bless thee. And the people returned, the Lord bless thee. It was like saying, praise the Lord, church. So this man is not just a, he's not just a farmer. He is a pastor. This man was not just farming. This man was pastoring. It means everyone there had a testimony of God, courtesy of God. Let me show you. There is a movement that started in the United States 20 years ago of men with money going to start factories 
not to make money, but to get disciples. So you go and maybe you are manufacturing paint or plastic or real estate, but your job there is not just to make a living for your family. You are to do lunch hours together, you are to do Sundays together. Sundays now you come the whole family. The movement is still growing in America as we speak. Beautiful. Where the factory owner is the pastor of the congregation. And all the workers are the washerikas. So last time they are doing devotions. During the week they are doing devotions. Over the weekend now they have a full church. They are coming to work but not to earn money. They are coming to have fellowship. Some of you are waiting till they are 20. Start with the two that you are. Some of you, all you have is a housing. And that is the father's your employment goals. Start with the housing. Start giving us scriptures. Start lifting her up. Start imparting grace. Before you know it, God will have counted you as a shepherd to one to make you a king over the whole nation. do you do when you find somebody has been food poisoned? You know what you do? You do two things. Number one, you get rid of the poison. And in the process of getting rid of the poison, you may have to get rid of the food. Number two, now you do the actual feeding. Many people out there have been food poisoned. They have bad tricks in their systems. They have, they have bad revelations in their systems. Anytime you meet a man questioning God, that is food poisoning. Anytime you meet a man criticizing men of God, that is food poisoning. What you do, you don't run away from such. You try to treat and feed such. That is being pastoral. Paul says you have 10,000 instructors, but one father. The instructor was there. Pastor, the father of the apostle, I have no time to come to that. Paul says, now I became a father in the faith. Paul was talking about apostle, but the instructor, the local instructor, in every chapter, whether schools or market or the local church, was the pastor. Another thing the instructor does, he grades people for the next step of, of, of instruction. Those who have failed the first level, they must be subject to repeating. Those who have passed the, the first level must be taken to the next level. Your job sometimes when you meet people who are repeating the same thing is to show them this is where you are missing it so that you can go to the next level. You don't have to be a prophet to do that. You just have to be a pastor. So all of you may not be pastors, but all of you can carry the grace Somebody say the grace of a pastor. The grace of a pastor. And how many agree with me? We really need this grace. How do you provoke this grace? Do you know how you provoke it? Very simple. Very, very simple. See whoever you meet as a child of the king and return them. How do you provoke the grace of a pastor? See whoever you meet as the child of a king.
colors, the king will always share whatever is being done to the children, and he will always pay in full. As I'm saying this, I'm thinking aloud, so aloud I've never felt. Because even as I'm saying this, my eye is open to see these are the children of the king. And they are told that this is my boss. And if I cheat them well, I will answer to my father, this is my boss. If I am careless with them, I will answer to their father, who is my boss. Mamas, I want you to cry for those careless teachers who think their boss is the teacher. I hear you. I want you to cry for those nurses who think their boss is the ministry of heaven. I want you to cry for those chiefs and those magistrates who think their boss is the ministry of interior or the ministry of tradition. I want you to cry for them. Because I take you the truth. There is judgment for all that we do for the children of the king. When I was teaching in Mombasa, some of my students were Muslims and bad Muslims for that matter. But the Lord reminded me, tomorrow some of them you will leave them. Tomorrow some of them you will have to bow to them. I love what I love what a teacher in Germany used to do in the early 16th century. He used to enter a class and then he would bow down on his, on his knee and say, I don't know what God is going to make some of you. One of the boys in that class was Martin Luther, the future reformer of the church. And every day the teacher enters the class, he bows. I don't know what God is going to make some of you. That was a teacher of revelation. Imagine a conductor who is a pastor. Imagine. Imagine a bus conductor who is a pastor or who carries a pastoral anointing. How blessed would our roads be? Imagine a watchman who is a pastor or who carries the anointing of a pastor. How blessed would our, will our entry and our exit be? We live and look forward to entering many buildings where they are watching. That you get that grace on us. That you get that blessing on us. This thing is so dear to my heart. The king has children. He wants them fed. He wants them instructed. But part of the instruction will involve discipline. So once they're also disciplined, once they're okay, once they're my brother, the one who was my best man, keeps telling me, My brother, I want to rebuke you because I am sowing a seed so that you can also do it to me in the future. I want to save your soul so that tomorrow you save my soul. Are you ready? My God, that time I'm trembling because it hasn't spared me. Two times he has led me back to Jesus. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Save me. Enter into my heart. The man does not play. Because the Lord has shown him how to exercise the role. And parents, I beg you, in 
the name of Jesus. Take the road of correction. Take the road of rebuke. And serve the son of your child. And sometimes it may not be your physical child. Sometimes it is your neighbor's child or your relative's child or even a stranger's child. Serve the son of that child. If there's something I've done, sometimes I've even overdone, is to rebuke people who might have. By God, I don't do it. But I do it because the king will ask me, when you saw my child going to the dogs, did you stop my child? When you saw my child going to the pit, did you return his feet back to the farm ground? But as I do it, I have to remember, I am a boss, but the person receiving the review as a father. So I have to do it in balance. I have to do it with wisdom and with love. And some corrections I have to pray about. Not wasting the baby is born. So the man had waited for over one year before coming to David to rebuke him. Some things you wait till the Lord has assured you that is right. And now you wouldn't rebuke him. So, assume you have done day one. In the next 15 minutes, let's do day two, three, four, five. Sometimes when something is out in your heart, you better say it, lest I go to the hour and begin preaching to my heart. <laughs> Question again. Who is a pastor? Sure. Who is a pastor? Instructor. Do we need them just in church? No. Where do we need them also? Institutions. Every industry. So we need what we call the vertical ministry and also what? Horizontal ministry. Have you seen where to send the pastors, right? Mm. Now let me show you how to send the prophets. This is also so dear to heart. Prophecy is not just about the prophet carrying the prophecy. Prophecy is a grace that can come on people to be desired and to be honored with the prophetic. When you go where people just honor prophets and love prophets and receive prophets, is this the place? Yeah. Two yeses. Yeah. When you go where people just love prophets and curious about prophets and they give to prophets, they smile to prophets, they pray for prophets. Yeah. That place already, there is a blessing of the prophet about to manifest. Mm. Now, such places never lack what we call edification. For you, First Corinthians chapter 18. Are you enjoying this? So, day one, we are sending pastors. Day two, very fast. I want us to send prophets. The Bible says, First uh, Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, let me get the verse. From verse, uh, 
roles of a prophet to get a deliverance. He will prophesize, prophesize to men for the edification, for comfort, for the instruction. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3. Let's not be helpful for instructees. So that I don't sweat that much. Now, 14, 3 says, But he that prophesied speaketh unto men to edification, to exhortation, and comfort. Three things. Remember, a pastor is a chef, he's also an instructor. This is, not, this is not all about us. I just wanted to be small for understanding. There are so many things we could discuss. That's not time. But a prophet has these three things that he brings beauty. Anytime there is no prophetic, these three things will not be there. Number one, edification. Do you know the meaning of edification? An addition to what you have. Imagine you have 20 pounds of strength. Then another man comes and gives you 20 more. How many do you have now? 40. That man is usually a prophet. Imagine you are a housewife. Suddenly you discover, oh, oh, I didn't know I'm also an interior designer. From birth, I was meant to be an interior designer. When the man found you, you were just a housewife. Now you are a housewife plus interior designer on top. Anytime men are living below potential, there is a grace that is lacking. It is the prophetic grace. No prophet should leave you the way he found you. If he has left you the way he found you, either he's not doing his job or you are not receiving his ministry. No prophet can leave you the way he found you. Joseph of Akash, Joseph as a prophet goes to Egypt and he finds the land about to enter into an economic miracle, but they do not know. Joseph takes the little opportunity with Pharaoh to translate Egypt as a small kingdom to a superpower. Some of you are living lives of frustration. You need to go ask the Lord to help you get a prophetic blessing, a blessing of edification. A blessing of increase. Believe in the Lord your God, you shall be established. Believe in his prophets, you shall prosper. Or to get an addition. You need things to get to another level in this place. Get the prophetic anointing. Get the prophetic grace. You need the standard of your life and your children to really get adjusted. Get a prophet. I wish you had time for me to prove to you, both from scripture and from history, instances where prophets were sent to places which were below power. And within a short time, they went beyond and beyond. Why? The first job of a prophet, the New Testament prophet, for that matter, is edification. So I found your testimony 20%. By the time I'm done, it should double to 40. Why? The grace of a prophet is the grace of increase. It is the grace of multiplication. It is the grace of getting it to the next level. And we need that. How many need increase? You need education? Hallelujah. We are going to ask the Lord. Release the prophetic grace. 
Release the prophetic grace on our marriage. Release the prophetic grace on our villages. Release the prophetic grace on our jobs. Release the prophetic grace. My Asha was the Lord gave me this secret, and my God abused it like magic. This is what I usually do when I encounter prophet. Prophet Gabriel is one of them. Prophet Peter is one of them. Prophet Judah is one of them. Anytime I meet a prophet, even today I met one, I usually must ask them to release a grace and a blessing. Why? In their office is the natural ability to release grace. When we started with the prophet Gabriel, I measured my life. Physically speaking, I measured how much was going through my bank account. I measured what kind of clothes I was wearing. And I gave myself to this man as I kept submitting to his grace. How much was going to happen to me? And I am not sorry. I am humbled to announce. He has not left me the way he found No prophet is allowed to leave you. Are you getting blessed? Yes. No prophet is allowed to leave you the way he found you. Yes. No prophet. If the grace is honored, the grace will produce. Amen. So we are, we are in London with Prophet Judah. And he tells me, let's go to Nivas. We enter Nivas. That is the year 2013. And then he turned on me and said, my brother, the Lord is going to begin increasing the standard of your life. As a result, he has told me to buy cheese for you. I know you don't eat cheese, you don't even need it, but I am embarrassing the poverty you are going through right now. Hey. And he bought me cheese. And he told me, watch if your life will remain the same. But the same man was sent by God. He told me, now the Lord is saying, move from this area in Islam. Come to Gomorrah. But my brother just lost the church. I don't have income. He said, move. And I moved. And I moved. And people, I moved. He who prophesies does what? Edifies. A prophet should not meet you, Mangoso. He should not meet you in a lower place and leave you there unless you don't know how to connect to the grace. The other day when he came to my house before my wedding, I told my brother, grab my wallet, run! My brother took all the money in my hand and I said, kneel down. The man knelt down. He said, now, man of God, I am asking of your God. Let this oil, his doors open. Dwell. Let his doors open to approach. And he said, Lord Jesus, I agree with your servant. Let the doors for this boy open. I almost asked, did they open? But you don't know the answer. <laughs> It is foolishness to those who are perishing, but this wisdom of God works. Amen. To those who are perishing, it is foolishness. Hmm. You are joking with a prophet at your own cost. There is edification. But the most beautiful, which I love, is exhortation. What is to ex extort, exhort? To exhort means to put the knowledge straight. Putting the knowledge straight. You think you know until you meet a prophet in the spirit. Who will tell you, ah, this thing you are calling truth, it is false truth. This thing you are calling humility, it is false humility. This 
path you are following. It is a false path. An exhortation will always come through the prophetic. Men think they are in charge till they meet the prophet. And they are reminded, uh -uh, you are not in charge. Because the one in whose name I speak is the boss. And they are saying, you are not in charge. I love edification because it multiplies and it increases for me. But I also love exhortation because it straightens me out. The church of Ephesus, like I preached one time, was a vibrant, blessed church. Still a prophet spoke. And when he was done, he had one judgment. You are doing well, but you have left your past life. There was exhortation. There was a straightening. And sometimes I feel so anointed, so spiritual, or I feel so downcasted, till I meet a prophet to give me the real readings, the accurate readings. Like today I met one right there, and I left down before I took an offering, and she gave me a, the mind of God straight, and I said, hey, Jehovah, you have seen me. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. But one of the ways to trust in the Lord, lean on the grace that he has already released through some officers. So instead of saying, Father, I ask for an increase. Father, I ask for an increase. Ask that the Lord will release the man with the grace to release the increase. Father, I ask for things to be straight. Ask the Lord to release the man with the grace to make the things straight. One time I thought, my God, I was so humble and a good Christian. Did a prophet met me and he gave it to me straight. He told me as we speak, <laughs> I don't even see the light of God in you. Kneel down. And I that I said, now, can I say the sinner's prayer? He said, what are you waiting for? Say the sinner's prayer. And I said the sinner's prayer. What was this man doing? Remember. The foundation is of the apostles and the prophets. I have no time to go to the apostles. But the prophet has a right to speak to your foundations without bias. He has the right to tell you, you think you are in the faith. Watch, you are going to fall. You think you are walking right. No, you are not walking right. And so many of you need exhortation. So many of you think you have lost it, but you have not lost it. And some think they have not lost it, but in the real sense, they have lost it. All this is exhortation. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Last one. This is obvious. It's confident. Never will a, a, a New Testament prophet, believe me when I tell you this, never will a New Testament prophet meet you and leave you clean beyond recovery. Never. They will multiply you. They will straighten you. After that, they will comfort you. If they don't do that, it is not that they are false prophets. No. They are not mature prophets. Maturity comes naturally with balance. The more you are mature, as my as Dr. Mlongo was saying in the morning, the more you attain balance. What do you do when there is no comfort? There is distress. There was a man who was a prophet, and somehow he did not know it. But maybe he knew it, I don't know. But I met him in Africa and I'm going to ask him. His name was David. The Bible says that men came to him who had done what? Who were in distress. 
men who are discomfited, men who are in debt, and he became their leader. When he became their leader, the next chapters that follow, we no longer see the distress, we no longer see the discomfort, we no longer see the debts. Why? A prophet had taken charge. Some of you are wondering, David was a prophet. Yes, Acts chapter 2 says, David, though he was a prophet, he also said, David was a prophet. The sons are prophetic. What do you do when your village is in discomfort? When your life is in discomfort? When everything is in distress and in discomfort? You ask for the prophetic grace. And I tell you, you can be prayerful, you can be full of the word, but a day comes when nothing can comfort you except a prophetic release. When you are done receiving that water, that grace from the man, that grace from the woman, that grace from the prophet, you feel refreshed, you feel comforted. How many remember Dr. Mangoleo? The one who was here the other day. So one time I go to his office. And he meets me. We, we interacted like about 10 times with him. And I was in such distress because that is the time I'm living in Kibera. Things are not making sense. And the man prayed, prayed. You know, it's a prayer order. The man can pray. The man prayed, prayed, prayed. Nothing was happening. One day the Spirit came upon him. And he began to prophesy to me. Though you pass through the waters, the Lord is saying, I'll be with you. And he prophesied, he prophesied. Do you know what? That was the last time I ever saw him in his office. Why? What prayer could not do? The prophetic now has done. Now I had already received my comfort. Why return back to his office? Initially, he was laying hands. There's a day my God, he asked me, and he prayed till he was lifting me out of my out of the floor. And he prayed and he cried. I spoke in tongues, but that day. He just prophesied. And with that one word of prophecy, I have never got, in fact, I don't even know where his office is. My sister, have you tried prayer? Have you tried fasting? And the discomfort is not going away? There is a grace. It is a prophetic grace. Ask for it. How many are going to ask for that grace for your family, for your friends? How many are even going to set up your friends with prophets? <laughs> so that the Ujikunakuna can end. Yeah. Hmm? Some of them have been scratching themselves for five years. All they need is the Lord just to breathe on them. I love what God tells Moses. I have seen the, the cries of my people. It has come to me. Now go as a prophet and relieve them. It is not the pastor who went to Egypt. It was a prophet. Because the distress of these people was so deep, only the prophetic could reach it. How can I understand why people go to witchcraft and divines and barbarians? They want comfort. They want something to cool them down and they cannot get it. What are we going to do negatively, people of God? We are going to run the witches out of business. Hallelujah. 
We are going to run the bank leaders out of business. We are going to raise prophets in their place. We are going to raise the prophetic in their place. Oh, how many are ready to pray? For every witch, there must be a prophet to replace him. Mama, as if the Lord leaves you to pray for the counties, go to Turkana, plant prophets there. Go to West Pokot, plant prophets. Go to Kero, is it Kirinaga County? Plant prophets there. Go to Elmo, plant prophets there. Remove the witches. Why do people go to them? They are looking for they are looking for an assurance that the itchiness will end. They are not finding it. How do we try to understand? Apostolic. Bible says in First Corinthians chapter twelve. Look at the verse for you. Verse twenty-eight. So when we talk about the prophets, how many points do we have? Three. Edification or multiplication. Then we have exhortation. Then we have comfort. Now we go to apostle. The Bible says a word there I never want you to forget. You promise not to forget it? The Bible says, and God accepts some in the church. First! Never forget that word first. In the dealings of God, an apostle has a place called first. If he's not first, everything else will be upside down. If we had an apostle instead of a president first, the nation will not be the same. If we had an apostle instead of the local chief first, the nation will not be the same. No wonder the Bible says, here comes the men who have turned the world upside down. Why were they turning it upside down? Because they were not welcomed first. Other things were welcomed first. There are issues in the villages because the ministry God calls first has not been received. There are issues with the doctrine in churches Things that you have, you cannot even fathom because the man to come first was not allowed to come first. Ephesians 2.20 now says, we are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Christ being the chief cornerstone. Listen, the Old Testament, Genesis up to the book of Malachi, was written by prophets. But the all of New Testament, from Matthew to Revelation, was written by apostles. Till they are given their first place, the New Testament grace will not be released. We are going to pray. Lord, release back the first ministers. Who gave us the New Testament to their place? Every place Paul went, other men had gone. But when he went as an apostle, and he was received as an apostle, a first thing began, a first episode began, a first reality began, a first blessing began. 
Paul says we shall be there another day. But he says a prophecy of the future. A prophecy of the coming apostles. And the apostolic blessing that will come with it. When Paul and his group were embraced, for the first time, miracles were happening that had never been seen before. For the first time, signs and wonders that had never been seen before were happening. Why? The apostolic was now embraced. We're going to pray for the apostles. Because the Bible says they are the first. If you are going to have a New Testament experience, some of you have been trying to go the New Testament blessing. You have been trying to say, hey, why did I get saved? And what was God up to? You need the apostolic mantle or the apostolic blessing. And I love what Jesus said in Matthew 10 and even in Luke 10, that he who receives you, receives me. He who rejects you, rejects me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet, receives a prophet in one. But there's another word there in this. He who receives the disciple. The disciple was the apostle. Apostles also must be received. One day, some of you will understand what I'm saying, that the apostles are first, according to the scriptures. They are the writers of this New Testament some of you are reading. And they need to be embraced so that our first class, our first act, our first miracle, our first this, our first that can now begin to happen. If I go to a certain dead church somewhere, and the Lord wants to give them experiences they have never had, all I have to do is to say, Lord, may I be received there as an apostle. And for the first time, they will be like, ooh, ooh. Ooh, they'll be counting fast one, fast one, fast this, fast this, fast this. Why? The blessing of the past has now been embraced. Paul says, when I came to you, Corinthians, you saw the wonders, you saw the signs, things that you had never seen before, as a testament of my apostolic anointing. There are villages that have never known some blessings. What they need is not severe. They need the apostolic. And the move of God we have right now, that we are going to see as the Lord Jesus now comes back, it is going to be led by the apostles. And things that people did not ever imagine, they are going to begin to see. Because the blessing of the past will not be allowed to operate. Oh Lord, I've never seen a bishop. Oh, easy. Supernatural apostolic grace. Oh Lord, I've never been taken on a vision of heaven and hell. Oh, that is the first for you. Supernatural apostle. No man embraced Paul and he did not see history rewritten. No man embraced John or Peter or any of the apostles. I wish I had time. Apostles carry authority. They are carrying authority. The authority to unlock heaven in a new way. The prophets can only point to it, but the apostles will unlock it. I love what Apostle Maldonado says. Hey, I have a quote all over my life, okay? To create new organs. Whoever needs a new organ or wants to go and begin creating new organs like me, come. I pray for you. And people will come. You miss a kidney? Oh. In Jesus' name, go check yourself. The guy has a kidney. You are a pastor. Oh, you want also to see organs recreated. Come. Come. I don't know. You did not even sweat doing that. That is an apostle. 
We need a fast in this ministry. And we need fast through this ministry. What will we do? We will lift up the apostolic blessing and say, Lord, let it fall on the people. I have to stop. Pastor Isaiah, Joshua, they are going to cook. Even mine is going to Now let's deal with those three. I think we are ready now. I have no time for the Baptist school. Evangelist Baptist school. I have no time for the, uh, the teachers. Allow us to grind on those three. Sheep 
I'm not showing the little lambs. Men who are still children, but they just need somebody to nurture them until they are sheep big enough. May the Lord use you from tonight to raise them up, to mend them, to feed them, and to keep them to bear good comfort. May the Lord Jesus also raise upon you the grace and the blessing of the prophet. But now going forward, wherever you go, there will be multiplication. Wherever you go, there will be increase. Wherever you go, there will be additions. May the Lord also give you the exhortation that you will be in the plumbline of God. Every word from your mouth becoming a plumbline and a standard for many to follow. May the Lord also use you in comfort. To comfort those who are in distress. To speak to them who are in debt and in slavery. There is hope for them. I pray also for the apostolic grace and blessing. But wherever you go, you shall create a precedent, a precedent that there will be a fast of fast of fast of fast. That wherever you go where there was no church, there will be a church, the first church. Wherever you go, there will be the first wedding. Wherever you go, there will be the first lifting. Wherever you go, there will be the first manifestation of glory. Wherever you go, there will be the first raising of the dead. May the grace of the first be upon you from tonight. And as you go home tonight, I pray, may the fivefold grace begin to work upon you like never before. Jesus, we love you. Raise us up now in the fivefold graces that we'll be able to carry this grace upon us and to manifest it to those in need. This we ask in Jesus' name.